Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. You are listening to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell here with you today. Going to talk all about everything that is going on down in the loveliest village on the plains. We are excited that you have all joined us today. We are inching closer and closer to spring ball. This will actually be the last episode that we have without spring ball having started. So that is certainly exciting. We've got a great episode for you today, and we have a fantastic guest that is joining us at the end. You know him. You've probably seen him, but if you blink, you might miss him. The fastest man in college football, Anthony Schwartz, is joining us today. Going to talk all about his transition that he is in the midst of right now and uh, as he prepares for the NFL draft come April. So we are certainly excited to hear from Schwartz and talk all about his amazing career. So we're excited you've joined us. It's going to be another great episode. It's a beautiful day, and Jason and I just thrive when it is sunny, pretty weather, right? Oh, yeah, I thrive in the sunny weather. You know, my skin <laughs> just lights up for it, and uh, just too bad I'm not beside a beach right now because I would be that guy oh. looking like somebody uncle out there doing 100 <laughs> push-ups, but literally just getting a good old tan in, you know. I love that. Well, we are certainly excited to talk everything about Auburn football and Auburn athletics in general, so we're going to dive right on into it. But first, a word from our wonderful sponsor. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We've got the NBA in full swing right now. College basketball heats up as the schools make their way toward madness. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest, as BetOnline is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And of course, it's free to sign up. So you want to head over to their website, betonline.ag, or you can use your mobile device to sign up today. And they're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk a little bit about what's going on down on the plains right now. We're going to start out with football like we always do. Monday is going to begin spring practice, the highly anticipated spring that it will have been two years since we've had spring ball. So we talked on it last week, just how exciting it is that we are going to get spring ball this year and how important it's going to be for this program as it continues to kind of restructure the culture, the development process under this new coaching staff. And Coach Harson actually went on a podcast with Andy Burcham this past week and gave a little insight to what the structure is going to be like for spring ball. So just going to run through this real quick and get Jason's input on kind of the schedule and his philosophy behind spring ball. Um, like I said, they're going to hit the field on Monday. And throughout spring, that will be their routine to be on the field Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Harson said he likes to take a day in between, so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, to watch film and kind of process what's happening out on the field, and then the next day implement what he learned, uh, and also give the guys a day to kind of recover and, and refresh. And then the teams go Friday and Saturday practices consecutively because he said it gives an in-season feel to the spring schedule. It, it kind of gets them prepped for those back-to-back -back days that, you know, you have in the grind of a fall season. So they're already kind of getting started with that. So with that schedule kind of laid out, and that's how things are going to be in the next few weeks for spring ball, What's your thought on the structure of that schedule, giving them those in-between days and also the consecutive of, of Friday, Saturday? It, it, it's not, you know, reinventing the wheel here. It's, it's pretty standard protocol, but I like his reasoning behind all of it, and, and especially given the fact that a lot is going to have to be evaluated and then implemented. It's not going to be, you know, a, a well-oiled machine right off the jump. So uh, what do you like about this and, and his approach thus far? I think it's a great approach. Uh, when I first, you know, heard about this and heard how he was going to do the spring practice, kind of, you know, similar to when I was in school, uh, you know, mm -hmm. how we would practice and some days we had an in-between day, especially after a real physical day. You know, there's a lot of hitting and tackling and, and goal line 
uh, drills and third down drills and short yardage drills. That's what we typically do. We'll take that day off in between, and it will be a film watch between the coaches and the players, and you kind of take notes on things, and then you'll come back on that following day, and you'll still practice again, but you'll go over those little things, and then all of a sudden you'll, you'll go into – another part of your practice of things that you didn't do that day. So when you get ready for the scrimmage on Saturday, which is why he's probably having those Fridays to Saturdays is Fridays is kind of a build up day for Saturday scrimmages. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of those scrimmages are going to be closed to the public. We know, but you know, just trying to get the kids an opportunity, especially some of the newcomers that came in early or some of the guys that was redshirted last year, just trying to get them a feel for what it's going to be like to prepare for a game on Saturday. And uh, mm-hmm. the hardest thing about, in the spring is most of the time your scrimmages start at like 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. And you're like, coach, when do we play a game at 10 a.m.? Like, <laughs> you know, like you got to get out of bed at 6 30 in the morning and eat and do all these things and to get ready for a scrimmage at 10 a.m. But, you know, they like to get the day going and get the scrimmage over with so they can study the film and then have the rest of their night, you know, probably to go spend with their family. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a critical part. Uh, spring ball is very, very important. Like I said, you saw how it kind of hurt us last year, uh, not being able to go through spring ball in a lot of teams. But you saw the teams that was kind of advanced were the teams that didn't have to change any coaches or anything. And yeah. they were just able to just pick up where they left off. But Auburn, anytime you have a change of coaches, you definitely need a spring and to implement a system and implement your format, and your mindset. And we've been right. seeing how these guys is taking on Coach Harson's mindset. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, hopefully I get a chance to go down and see a practice or two, uh, yeah. trying to make sure that, you know, we get our, you know, shots or whatever that we need so we can watch practice. So, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens. It definitely feels like we're we're making progress and steps are heading in the right direction. So a lot of hope that we'll be able to have some people even at A Day. And then of course, once the season gets here, hopefully Jordan Hare can be at I would love to see it at full capacity, but certainly more full than we had it last year. So in spring ball, we kind of talked about this last last week. You know, there is a need for a lot of these guys to show out. I mean, they've got a lot to prove to a new staff. And you, you mentioned, you know, last year, the difficulty of bringing in new coaches. That was the case even for just coordinators. For a lot of the schools that I covered, if they had a new DC or OC, like that was challenging enough. Auburn's got new everything this year. So the importance on spring ball for all of this to start to click and gel is crucial. And you talked last week about the wide receivers and and the need there and how there's, you know, there's a lot of question marks in that group. And we've got to see a lot of development there. What's a position group that you actually feel good about right now? Like heading into this year, you think that this group is actually pretty stacked. They're in a good spot and you expect to see production continue from that group. I'm just going to go with our DBs. And the reason I say that is because, you know, last year was their first full year where they had an opportunity to play together after losing, you know, some guys that we had to go on to the draft and and go on to try to do bigger things. But when you think about this team, like think about Smoke Monday. Yes, he's always making plays. You always see him running back interceptions or picking up a fumble and taking it to the house. But, you know, we've all had a little question about, you know, him sometimes being lost in coverage. And right. I think, um, you know, him having a full year last year of playing in a system and playing a safety because he's a prototype safety. You know, he's, he's tall, he's long, and he's rangy. And uh, mm-hmm. now he can make some plays because of that size. So when you think about the things that he's doing and what he had to learn last year, it pays off for him big time coming into this season. Even though he's learning a new defensive scheme, it's one thing you can't teach is experience. And he has that now. So now he can really hone in up to what he needs to do. The other one is, you know, for me, is Roger McCreary. You know, he's another returning starter. You know, he's a, a guy that has a lot of, you know, he pretty much our best corner last year. And uh, so for him to get another year and also get that get that experience. And like I say, he's a very athletic guy and and uh, and things that he can bring to the team as far as the aspect of he loves to come up and tackle as well. You know, he's not mm-hmm. just a cover corner. He's one of those guys that like to get his get his hands dirty, you know, get his get put a shoulder into somebody. And I think having Zach Eltrich as their coach coming in, I think helps because he's a young rising star as a coach. He's full of energy. He played at Auburn. And right. what's better way to learn from someone that actually played there and can feed into you what it's like if you're a newcomer, but for the guys that's been there, this is a guy that would, would have had an opportunity to go on to the next level if it wasn't for a major injury, but mm-hmm. he's a guy that they, he can sit in the room and talk to them about, look, 
if your goal is to make it to the next level, then this is what you got to do. But even if you right. don't make it to the next level, you still can be a success in life. Like it's not just all about making it to the pros. And, right. you know, that's the most important thing about being a coach is having that, putting that stamp on these kids to help them in life. It's not all mm-hmm. about ball. And I think, you know, having someone like that definitely helps. And then there's this young kid, you know, everyone's talking about, he's a talented newcomer. Name is Ladarius Tennyson. Uh, you know, he's a guy from Florida, played in Florida high school last season. And, you know, people are really high on him. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that they say he's very talented. He's a nickel cornerback. When, when you know, Christian Tut, you know, is a nickel. I mean, Christian Tut was a nickel. So, you know, he's probably be replacing him for most of the part mm-hmm. of the time of playing a nickel position. Because when you're a young corner, most of the time they start you out as the nickel and then move you to the outside at a certain point because they don't want to put all that pressure on you beginning of the season or they just want to see how you react first by being on the field and then they would kind of move you out to to the corner position so you know it's some it's some guys in here that can play and some guys in here that I think with the experience that we have and some newcomers coming in I think we have an opportunity to to have a successful secondary this year I would agree I think even coming off last season the the defensive side of the ball was certainly showing more promise and consistency. The offense is where a lot of the woes were. So I think that, and you add in, I'm going to say it so many times, Derek Mason and the impact that I believe he's going to have as a DC. I think this defense is in a really good position. It's, it's a lot, a lot of eyes are going to be on the offense. So I totally agree with you there. Um, want to talk a little bit about what is happening next week, along with spring ball beginning, it's also going to be Auburn's pro day. And obviously, you know, you have pro day every year, but this year's pro day will have a lot more eyes and a lot more importance on it because the NFL combine isn't technically happening. These pro days are essentially the combine as well, because the NFL canceled the typical combine because of COVID. Um, so this year, all on-field workouts are going to be conducted at the on-campus pro days, and the league will try to have as much uniformity in the on-field drills as possible so that teams have the ability to compare the workouts from one site to another. Because it, when you're in Indy and, and the combine is handled the way it typically is, everyone's doing the exact same thing in the exact same place, and, and there is a lot more structure that the league can control. And so you're evaluating these guys on a very even platform. Having all of them separated at their own environments and doing potentially a variety of things, it's going to be hard to evaluate these guys and match them up to each other because the evaluation process is a little bit different this year, but I think it's probably going to be still as effective. The interviews between the prospects and the team officials will be conducted virtually as well as the psychological testing. So all of that's still happening. It's just virtual, Um, but our pro day is scheduled for next Thursday, March 18th. So a lot of guys will be uh, out there showing what they're able to do. And I kind of think that this is, you you know, you got to find the silver lining in all of this, right? And I think that, you know, potentially there is a benefit to it because there is a level of comfort when you're on, you know, your turf and, and your territory and you're kind of, this is a high pressure situation for these guys. There is a lot of eyes on them. They're not in, you know, full pad helmet situation and and the noise of the crowd kind of blocking out uh, the nerves of it. You're very aware of what you're doing and that so many eyes are just on you. And I think that them getting to do this in their environment where they're comfortable, this is where they, you know, poured blood, sweat and tears into for three or four years. And so there is a level of comfort with it that I think they could end up performing their best because of that aspect to it. But even without there being a, an official combine that they go out to like normal, the NFL did release invitations to guys that would have gone to Indy. And, and these also kind of show that there is interest. It, teams have actual interest in these particular guys. And if the combine was happening in the normal way, these guys would have been going there. And so for Auburn, Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, KJ Britt, and Jamie and Sherwood all received invitations. Not a huge surprise, fully expected all four of those guys to have interest. So as we prepare for pro day next week, as the guys are preparing, and obviously we'll talk to Anthony about this when he comes on in a bit, what advice would you give them, Jay, about taking this opportunity? And even though it's not the typical combine 
making it as big and as important to to really showcase what they're able to do on this one day. Well, to be honest with you, Taylor, the pro day is actually more important than the combine. Um, when we went to the combine, it's like a meat market, <laughs> and I really yeah. do mean that. It's you know, it's it's a what two hundred some guys. And you're all trying to, you know, throw a ball and you get two throws if you're a quarterback and then you rotate and then you may be 20th person in line. So you got to wait for 19 more people to go in front of you before you get your next two throws. So it kind of throws your rhythm off. And if you're if you're a receiver, you're catching balls from quarterbacks that you don't even know. And uh, this is your first time. They don't even know your speed. So, you know, for some of the guys, it kind of benefits them to only have to do this for pro day. So you could put forth all your effort. If you're a guy that had an injury, he gave you a full month of January, full month of February to heal up, to prepare for your pro day. And I think it helps because like you just said, you're in your own environment and you know your field, you know your turf, you know you know your ins and outs. So you can come to the pro day feeling comfortable already because you already know your territory. Now you're going to have a little bit of nerves because you're, you're, you're positioning for a job. You know, this is what you're doing. You're putting in the application and your application is based off how you perform that day. Pretty much depends on where you get drafted at, because a lot of it, yes, they're going to watch the film and the film is going, that's 50% of it, 60% of it. But then there's another 30% of it out there, which comes off what you do on pro day, which they can see you in person and see how you move, see how you react. And I think the hardest thing for NFL guys to judge these guys on is when you're doing an interview with someone from a virtual standpoint, like I don't know how much body language you can judge off somebody that way, okay. you know, is and, and not being in person now. And kind of, and if you're a kid and you're trying to like impress them the best way that you can, and you just like, okay, I really can't give you my eyes because this is virtual, but you know, then, you know, sometimes you can believe somebody by like just looking into them and, and hearing what they're saying and you can call them, you know, okay, he's saying, I believe him or you saying bull crap, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> you know, it just, it is just that way. So, but when you think about it though, I think these guys that have an opportunity to have their pro day at home at Auburn, like, uh, you know, Anthony Swartz being the fastest guy and, in college football and hopefully he has a quarterback I know Bo can't throw to them so hopefully it's someone that he's had an opportunity to build a relationship with over the last two months that can throw to him on pro day because with a guy with exceptional speed that he has that is critical uh that someone knows his body because it's not easy to throw to the fastest guys because sometimes you can't judge their speed when they're coming out of dig route when it's totally different than running a go route than a dig route or a crossing route so you know, those things are critical. And Anthony Swartz, you know, like I said, he's a big target type of guy. But to me, when you're a jump ball receiver, a lot that we've seen him do, like that's a relationship thing between you and a quarterback. So he's really got to come out on pro day and really prove to the point that he can get in and out of breaks on dig routes, curl routes, comebacks, uh, you know, the deep post routes, stick and go. Uh, so he's going to have to show on pro day that, that those – the things that he can do for Jeremy Sherwood we know that he's a hard hitter and we're going to see how fast can he cover space because in the NFL you can come up and hit but can you cover space and I think no one's going to question his hitting now let's see can he get from point A to point B points one second faster because things happen a lot faster and uh KJ well everyone knows about KJ you know and KJ was a guy that for senior bowl uh, because Mm -hmm. He had a whole week to impress scouts where these guys right. only get one day to impress scouts. So, you know, it just goes a different way. But I would tell these guys, don't put any more pressure on yourself. Like you don't yeah. have to like just go out there and do what you do and do it to the best of your abilities and walk away just feeling good about what you put out there. You can't control where you get drafted at. That's out of your control. But you can control how you prepare and your mindset just going out there and just treat it like a Saturday's game. Treat it like you're getting ready to play your biggest opponent and, right. and go out there and strive for it. It's certainly exciting that they're all still going to get this opportunity, even though, you know, it's not the typical, I I really would have loved to see Schwartz out there doing the 40 and see if he could break that record. But um, it's going to be cool to see all of them get this opportunity to show what they're able to do and then continue this process and uh, get closer and closer to that dream 
Another thing that's really exciting that I want to touch on real quickly, though, we have, you know, obviously said that Auburn is is underway with a new football performance center, but they are officially going to begin construction this month. They really got this thing go. I feel like it was just announced and now they're like, all right, let's build it. But this thing is going to be a 233,400 square foot facility. It's going to include a 138,100 square foot football operations building, a 95,300 square foot indoor practice facility, and two full-sized natural turf football practice fields. The Board of Trustees this year approved a $91.9 million budget for the project. So, This thing's going to be massive. It's going to be huge. If you've seen any of the renderings or the blueprints for it, it's awesome. It's very state of the art. Um, But honestly, it needed to be. I I can vouch for a lot of the SEC football facilities because I've I've been to them and toured them as a reporter. And so many of them. Oh, my God. They are so they're dope. I mean, it's South Carolina has this really cool thing when you walk in. It's this huge wall of helmets at mm-hmm. NFL helmets and there's a, a like perpendicular to that wall is a wall that's mirrored mm-hmm. and if you put your hand on one of the NFL helmets the mirrored wall pops up a list of all the South Carolina players that have played for that NFL team oh, wow. and like then you just touch the other one and different stats pop up it is like mm-hmm. these facilities have things that just it's baffling. Kentucky's facility is unbelievable. LSU's is, I mean, the lockers have like beds for them to lay down. It's, it's insane what these SEC schools are getting in terms of their facility. And look, call it whatever you want, whether you agree with this being a a facet of it or not is irrelevant because it is where things are trending. But Things like that have an impact on recruiting. It is impossible for them not to. You send a high school kid into something that shiny and neat, they're going to want to be a part of it. So Mm -hmm. Auburn needed this. We needed to catch up with the times. We needed to evolve in our facilities. And it certainly sounds like this is going to be that facility. When you were playing, how much of a role did facilities have? I mean, obviously, they weren't having to – helmet touch screens back in your day jay but uh you, it is certainly something that these guys now that they match up like oh well this school's right. facility was pretty cool like talk to me a little bit about the impact that this could have and and likely will have well you made some great key points like when you talked about the facilities of these other schools and everything think about it this way you want to have great facilities because like you said, high school kids, they see that it's glamorous. It grabs their attention. They want to, they want to move in immediately. And the thing about it is all the other aspects of your college kind of feeds off the football program because it's the biggest drawing money wise on your campus. So if you are a, if you are someone that's, that plays on the other sports, you want the football team to succeed because you benefit from that. And so the whole thing is if you want Auburn to succeed, you want Auburn facilities on the, to be up to par so that these guys can want to sign here. Then once they sign here, you win. And then it benefits everyone. So for me, when I first got to Auburn, I ain't gonna lie, we had a sugar shack. You know, it thing was was all wooden and you know, it looked like it was about two seconds from caving in. And uh and I remember Tuberville telling everybody, hey, hey, guys, he showed us the platform what everything was about to be. It was about to be brand new and how they was about to do it. And they did. And they started actually that spring. So the first time I actually got into a real locker with my number and name on the back of my jersey was a new locker room. So and it just changed our whole mindset. Like we were so excited. We were like kids in a candy store. You know, just uh, just trying to, you know, get in there and see everything. And and then not only that, like when you think about game day, you know, running out for the game day and just seeing everything and how exciting it looks and how, you know, like you you like like I say you look good, you feel good. You know, Deion Sanders always says this, and uh, and it, it it's true. You know, like guys want to feel that way, and I just feel like with the facilities and our facility lasted all the way up, which is crazy. Our locker room facility lasted all the way up to two years ago when they redid the locker rooms on the inside of the stadium. So, and it was still up to par. Like, obviously, kids still were coming. We still were getting the Derrick Browns of the world. We still were getting, you know, great players. So, obviously, people still were coming. But now it's time to upgrade. It is, 
And, and you know, things are trending a lot quicker than it was when I was younger. And Taylor, I know you're a decade probably behind me somewhere, but <laughs> you know, things are still, you know, things tend to trend a lot faster nowadays. It's just like yeah. homes. You buy a home and you like, okay, this home looks great. But then seven years from now, they consider your home outdated and you got to go through here and spend all this money to renovate it just to get it back up to par. You just like, so usually true. that will last you 20 years before you have to renovate. But now your butt got to be ready to renovate every seven to 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same way in, in these SEC schools, like the money has to keep pouring in, but it, that takes winning so that we can keep adapting and keep changing. Because I am ready, honestly, for us to close in the other opposite end of the stadium, opposite of the yeah. big scoreboard. Right. Because the other scoreboard looks outdated and the new scoreboard is like modernized. Crazy. Yeah. You know, so I'm, so I'm looking at us to get to us to get rid of the traditional scoreboard on the opposite side of the modern one. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you're always going to be feeling like you, it's kind of like keeping up with the Joneses type thing in the mm -hmm. SEC because it just, it keeps growing and growing and I don't see it stopping. So it certainly is exciting. I can't wait to see this thing once it's all finalized. And um, it certainly will be a, a great recruiting tool and one that coach Harson, I'm sure is very excited about Well, we are going to transition, get you caught up on a couple other sports before we bring in Anthony Schwartz. But before we do that, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe that you are looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with their authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, and they're going to verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. And it also protects the seller with a verified return process. And for for sneaker sellers out there, they have eliminated selling fees on sneakers that are over $100. So it makes it free to sell or flip your collection. So you want to go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and a unique selection. So Auburn's men's and women's basketball seasons have both concluded, neither in the way that they would have hoped, I would imagine. But let's start with men's basketball. They did end on a high note. It just wasn't the season that they anticipated. But they ended with a win over Mississippi State, 78-71. to 71. And poetically, it was Bruce Pearl's 600th win, which is just an incredible feat and and just a testament to his impact. But he gave a quote after the game, just about the season as a whole, wrapping it up and heading into next year. He said, I'm optimistic. We've got to develop. We've got to grow. But I'm very excited for the kids we've got coming in. I'm very excited about the guys we've got returning. We've got a lot of stuff to do to become a championship team. So very well put, well said. He's not, you know, glossing over the fact that this season had more woes than they anticipated. But he knows what he's doing. This, this man has proven that since he stepped foot on campus, and he's going to continue this program in the right direction. But 600 wins, certainly impressive. Congrats to Coach Pearl on that. I fully expect a lot more to be added to that. Jason, I'm going to ask you a, a, a future question. Mm -hmm. Do you think Bruce Pearl wins a championship at Auburn? Ooh, that's a great question. I think let's uh, let's predict it. <laughs> yeah, I think he would have another opportunity to make another Final Four run. I just feel okay. like he Agreed. has to get two guards in place that will stay for a while. Like it's mm -hmm. hard right now with all the one and dones. Mm -hmm. But if he can get guards that can stay for at least two to three years, yes, he will have a chance because he knows how to build a program. It just hurts yeah. you when guys are one and done. Yes. Uh, and I definitely think he will win another SEC title. So I'll go ahead and put that one out there. And I agree with you. I think we'll have another great run in the tournament moving forward. But uh, along with the one and dones is also the transfer portal, which continues to, you know, show itself recently. Justin Powell has announced that he is entering the transfer portal. And this guy only appeared in 10 games before missing the rest of the season with the injury, but he was productive in those 10 games. So not you know, encouraging. It's, it's disappointing. I've actually seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about people being very surprised by this news and they really didn't see it coming from him. So interesting to uh, hear that news, but 
exciting to see what the basketball program continues to be. We obviously still await the decision of Sharif Cooper and what he's going to do, but I trust Bruce Pearl in the position he's in with this program, and I'm excited to see what they do next season. Women's basketball also ended their season difficultly. They actually have parted ways with head coach Terry williams Flournoy after nine seasons, and this season was ugly. They did not have very many wins. They were out of the SEC tournament very quickly after a loss to Florida, 69 to 62. But Coach Flo was at Auburn for nine seasons, so it's never easy to, you know, part ways with somebody like that. A lot of credit to her and the job that she's done, but it was it was evident. It, it kind of was like the football program in a way that it's like, okay, we have a, a, a lot of gratitude for what you've done, but something has to change. Jason, what's it like to get used to a new coach? This applies to every sport, every athlete. Once you kind of build, the, this is very applicable to the f- guys on the football team as well. Once you build that rapport and that relationship with a coach, and then it just, you completely have to switch gears and establish it with someone new. What is that like? Because that coach-player relationship is so important and it affects the game so much. How do you kind of flip that script with someone new? Well, Taylor, guess what? You're asked one of the guys that have gone through more coaches than probably anybody in in history. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) I tell you what, it's all about your approach. Uh, You know, when you play this game, you know, change is going to come. Like it's part of what we do. Like even as a coach, when you know you sign that on the dotted line to coach at this university or any university, your job is to try to win. And you know, if you don't win, you pretty much know what's next. And that's just the way it goes. And even playing playing ball, when you're a player. Yes, you know, you're trying to do everything you can, but you know, when things don't go right, you know, playing in the pros, you know, understand things happen, trades happen, cuts happen, you know. Things always happen when the winning is not taking place. And that's just the motto at any school. So, right. you know, I think Coach Flo, like I said, she's been there nine years. She had a really good run. I want to say it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, she had a really young team this year and everything. But at the end of the day, people always say they look at the wins and the losses. And I think, you know, she's a great person, you know, has a lot of great respect around the college women's college basketball. She's been involved for so many years. And, uh, you know, I think she's she's in a good place. I feel like, you know, even though a coach is fired and you don't want to be fired, I feel like for her, though, she knows she's still in a good place. And as far yeah. as like what she's accomplished in her career and whatever she she has choices right now just to decide if she wants to keep coaching or if she wants to do do something else, you know, and right. uh, for her. So, you know, it's not ever easy because, you know, it, you know, people always say, well, Sometimes you can expect this or you can expect that. But even when something does happen, just like you said earlier, a couple of weeks ago, we was talking about how it was building up for Gus uh, that, you know, every year it felt like he was on the hot seat. Yeah. And, you know, you always hear about it, hear about it, hear about it. But until it actually happens, that's when it's kind of like, mm, you know, it it's just you. like someone. Yeah. yeah, it hits you. I completely agree with you. And it's it's a tough reality of sports, but it's a reality of sports. And so you got to be willing to roll with the punches a little bit. Well, speaking of rolling with the punches, we are going to talk with Anthony Schwartz now and hear all about his past season, how unconventional things have been, his decision to move forward with football as opposed to track. We're going to ask him all of it. So we are so excited and we are going to bring in Schwartz now. All right, everybody, it is the moment that we know you've been waiting for. Jason and I are so excited to welcome in our guest for this week. We've got former Auburn wide receiver, the speedster himself, Mr. Anthony Schwartz. War Eagle, thank you for joining us. War Eagle, thank you for having me on. We're so excited. We have talked about you in depth for the past couple of seasons, obviously, uh, since we've been doing this podcast, and we're certainly excited to get to hear straight from you everything about your your playing days at Auburn and, and what's still to come for you. So I'll go ahead and get started with your college career because, you know, you you've kind of had an interesting trajectory to this point being a dual sport athlete, and obviously you're, you're track and field accolades and and your speed is is really kind of what got your name out there in prominence in college football uh and obviously you you were able to do both there for a little while and then ultimately proceeded with football at what point did you kind of make that decision or did you always know that football was going to be 
the path that, that you took? How did you balance both? So really, I didn't really think about it until it got to that point. Like I kind of knew like there's going to be a time where I'm going to have to make a decision, but I just wanted to do my best in both sports. And my, my first love was always football. So football was what I was at Auburn mainly for. So that's what I wanted to, I was shooting for NFL shot. It's just that I was good at track too. So there could be like an opportunity like to go to the Olympics. And so that's something I always wanted to do. Right. So I was kind of just like shooting for that 2020 Olympics. And then after that, I probably would have just stuck to football, but kind of when COVID hit, it kind of made my, made my decision a little bit easier because track season was canceled. The Olympics mm-hmm. were pushed back. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to stop running track and focus on football, try and focus on my craft and have a shot of leaving after my junior year to be able to go to the NFL draft and go into the NFL. So that's kind of where my decision came to focus more on football. Yeah, Anthony, when I I think about you, man, you have exceptional speed, man. You're almost like a quarterback's dream. Uh, You know, I was, I had an opportunity to play with uh, Santana Moss and uh, Santana Moss is another guy that's from the Florida area and, uh, you know, played at UM. But, you know, Santana was a guy that, you know, was really gifted off his speed. And, you know, this guy was exceptional speed and y'all pretty much body built similar. And, um, you know, he was able to play a long time in the National Football League with his, with his speed and everything. But when, when he accelerated, like you could tell, like, you know, he knew how to get off the line of scrimmage. And a lot of guys don't know how to get off the line of scrimmage because you guys are separated so differently than other, other position receivers because you're taught how to get that extra tenth of a second when you're trying to run the hundred. And you was a guy that ran a 10-2 in the hundred. And that's like exceptionally fast without even having a full training for like the Olympics. So when I look at you, I think of a guy like Justin Gatlin, a guy that played at the University of Tennessee. And then, you know, he played football and he ran track. And I can see you doing some of the same things where you play professional football, but you may have an opportunity as well still to be ready to participate in the Olympics at some point. And, you know, you and Tyreek Hill maybe have y'all on four by one team. Who knows? But <laughs> when you think about your speed, though, like what's the gifts of your speed? when you're at the line of scrimmage, how do defenders defend you when you're on the field, when you're having to see these guys, like, do they say certain things? Do they play you totally different than they would play like, uh, play like, a, you know, a different receiver because of your speed? Yeah. So what I know, kind of noticed, like, they, they'd probably get out a little bit like faster or bail out a little bit more or just play off. I've had teams that are like, um, they'll just kind of like, if they're in like, man, they're like point point at me and then look back at their safety, like saying like, "Here's him, like he's in the game," and that's stuff that I kind of notice. And then also, like there'll be times where I'll just be running just to run off, and then I'm not even really running for real. And some points just talk to me to be like, "Damn boy, you fast as hell," <laughs> and just stuff like stuff like that. I just start, I just start laughing at it, like I'm not even around, I'm just chilling. But there's a lot of like small stuff that I notice, like that, and that kind of like. I felt like kind of good because I felt like they respect you. Like they're doing that because they respect you. Yeah, most definitely. I honestly personally think Taylor is that when I think of his speed, like I played for the Raiders and they're all about speed. Like I can see John Gruden drafting him and, you know, I can see, you know, you know, the Chiefs drafting him, you know, Andy Reid is all about speed. You look across the board, it's about speed. And I think they're probably going to go away from Sammy Watkins here this offseason. And that leaves a door open for Mm -hmm. a receiver position, which I think would be a great spot if he was to fall there. You got a guy like Mahomes throwing you the ball, and they love to put pressure on on defensive bats by attacking down the field. So there's a lot of teams, man, that are in need of speed at that position. I think you're sitting in in a great, great position. I think we've seen in this past season in particular the evolution of the offense in the league. It is trending a bit more toward innovative, and it's not as traditional. And I think a guy with your skill set is such a weapon for a lot of these teams. But as you prepare for that next step, obviously with Pro Day happening next week and and you're kind of getting yourself ready for that and then uh, hoping to hear your name called come April – where do you think you are right now in terms of your skill set? What have you been working on? And, and what do you personally think you would bring to a team? So I think right now, I feel like I've improved a lot, even from the end of the season. Because the main thing that I, was, um, that I know I needed to improve on was just more 
top of the rough stuff and just being more consistent at it and being more consistent coming out of my breaks. Because I used to struggle, especially my freshman and sophomore year, coming out of my breaks, I would get stuck mm-hmm. a lot. And so what I worked on pretty much this past season and then more now is just getting out of the top of my breaks, working on better footwork just to complement my speed so that even though I'm fast, I don't get slowed down because of I couldn't break down. So that's something that I feel like I'm very good at now that I can use to my advantage. Cause I also think I'm a very underrated route runner that people don't give me enough credit for that. Mm-hmm. So it's just but it's stuff I still want to work on. And I think that anything that drafts me is going to get a guy that, first off, he's going to be, he's going to bust his butt every play. He's going to be the fastest on the field no matter what. And then he's going to be they're getting a competitor. Like he's going to, he wants to win no matter what, no matter what it takes, he's going to win. He wants to play every game, wants to play every down, whether it's on offense or special teams, I'll do it all. And I just feel like you get a guy that's going to be the number one competitor. Yeah, I'm talking about when I when I think about the things that you just said and what Taylor was talking about, like for me, you know, this is not coming from you. This is coming from me, fans uh, and, and, and people. You know, when I think about the offense that y'all ran, you know, it wasn't a lot of like deep end cuts or deep things that require a whole bunch of route running. And I think, you know, like you say, like people, you're underrated at that position because it didn't require you to have to do a lot of those things. Where I think what helps you going into pro day is they're going to have you doing a lot of those things. And I think that's where you're really going to help yourself is because given the opportunity, you will show them that you can run certain routes and that you can get out of certain cuts and everything. And I think pro day is a big day for you. And, uh, and, and, you know, leading up to my question, how do you feel about coming into next week's uh, pro day? Like, are you excited? Of course, I know you are. Are you anxious, nervousness? Like what are some of the things that you expect and, and, uh, and everything? Because I'm going to say this, going to pro day, man, just, do what you do best. Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. You know, just uh, go out there and put forth your best foot effort. And when you walk away, man, know that you did your best. And the most important thing is just is the ball. You know, they want to see how many times you can catch the ball. You know, do you catch the ball clean? Can you catch the ball, tuck and run? And just can you get in and out of your breaks, man? I think you can do all three of those things. So, you know, I just, I just, you know, I wish you the best and Taylor does too. So we just want to hear from you. Like, what are the things you're anticipating coming next week? Yes, sir. I appreciate it. And I'm just, I'm just pretty much, I've been excited for it. Like ever since um, when the combine got canceled, I've been more and more excited about pro day. Cause I was kind of a guy that I was got a guy at first that like, I want to go all up for the combine and then pro day, I'll probably just run routes. Mm-hmm. But being, this is pretty much my one and only shot being a junior. I've been excited for it. Like at first I was kind of anxious just because just didn't know how it was going to be. But now I'm, Building up, so I've been more excited, more ready to go, and I feel like it's gonna. I'm gonna do great out there, and I'm gonna have my best performance. And I usually perform under pressure a lot, so it's also a good way to perform under pressure and show scouts that pressure doesn't phase me. Yeah, that's awesome, and it's certainly uh, Jason and I talked about it earlier. There is somewhat of a benefit to to having this opportunity in a place where you're really comfortable, you know. And I think that that adds an element to this year's whole draft situation. But let's talk a little bit about your time at Auburn because you know this past season certainly was not the season anyone anticipated for all capacities, be it. 2020, the limited fans, uh, how the season went, obviously at the end with the, you know, departure of Gus Malzahn, uh, it had a lot in it that was difficult and challenging and not the norm. But when you look back on your career at Auburn, even the challenges of last season, what do you think you'll take away from being a, a part of the Auburn family and having played college ball there, what what did you learn? What did you um, develop during your time there that you think you're taking with you into this next chapter? So I feel like the main thing I'm taking away from is just I've been through the ups and the downs of the sport, like going from the ups of beating Alabama, beating an LSU, being a top team, to lows of losing – Heart, you know, heartbreak fashion to I'm I don't I don't want to like I don't want to be disrespectful but mediocre teams yeah. not going to call them out but yeah. cause I feel like <laughs> I've been the, the the highs and the lows of the sport yeah and then also like the highs and the lows of as a player because I'll have one game where I feel like I'm on top of the world and then the next game where I'm just like felt like everything went wrong 
And yeah. so I feel like the main thing I take away from it is just since I felt those already, I know how it was going forward and I can kind of prepare myself for it and not so it doesn't take me by surprise. And then also just playing as a team, playing at that next level, just playing against better competition, just knowing that going to the NFL, everyone, they say going to college, everyone's on scholarship. Going to the NFL, everyone's good. They're the best of, from the college. Mm-hmm. So I feel like being able to go against, especially SEC West talent, I feel like I'll be better prepared than most. But I also know I made that jump from high school to college and I kind of felt good. So I kind of know how to prepare myself for making this next jump from college to the NFL. Obviously, there's been a lot of change that's been happening around this program. And even though you made that next step into the next phase of your life, you do know a lot of these guys really well, the ones that are, you know, still on the team and and part of this whole change. Who are some guys that you would say to keep an eye out for? So I feel like people that we know that we're going to step up, we're going to see a lot of Tank Bigby. He's going to be, he should be a Heisman candidate this year. Should be, I would put him as top five already. Wow. And then um, uh, definitely I would see um, Sean Shiver's worm. He's going to step it up like, oh, he always does. When he gets a touch, he's going to be timed. He's going to roll. And then on the on the receiver-wise, I feel like um, you're going to see Cedric Jackson take that next step to where he was more kind of used as a – we called him a tight end or, fit, or a lineman. He's more used in the run game. But so he's going to take that next step this year to become that guy him and then definitely Kobe Huston. He's going to be a guy that's going to be the next Auburn great receiver. And then, of course, Zay Capers. He's going to be great, too. Elijah Cannon, he's going to be great, too, especially his opportunity he got in the bowl game. He went three for 80 yards and a touchdown. That's just the beginning of him to see. And then um, Malcolm Johnson and uh, Javari Johnson, they're going to be the guys that are going to be kind of like how the role I was in. I don't know how the new offense is going to have them, but they're going to be those speed guys that can move with the ball and be able to do a lot of stuff with the ball and get open. And then on the defensive side, of course, you have that 2 eight and monster linebacker. You guys are Kobe and Owen. They should be the best one-two. They're going to be the best one-two punch linebackers in the country. And then you still got Roger McCreary, Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, Jalen Simpson. They're going to lock down in the back end, that corner, all three of them. I trust all three of them. I've seen how much they've gotten better since they've been at Auburn. Then, of course, you're going to have the quarterback of the defense is going to be Smoke Monday. You know, yeah. Smoke, Smoke, that's just a dude. That's a dog right there. He's going to be everywhere. He's going to be the loudest. He's going to have the most <laughs> hype around him. And he's going, to, he's going to show it, too. He's going to bring it down. And also, I want to end it off with Bo. I feel like he's going to make that, that next step this year. That next yeah. jump, I feel like you're going to see a whole different guy. Yeah, that was the question I was about to ask you, you know, from a receiver standpoint, where did you see Bo growing, you know, where he could grow the most at, so, um, and everything. But, yeah, you talked about the defensive bats, and the day we was kind of featuring the defensive bats when Taylor and myself talked earlier. And uh, from that standpoint, like, where do you see this group as a unit? Like, when you think about Jalen and you think about Nehemiah Pritchett and you think about McCrary, like, what is it in Smoke? What is it about these guys that that – I feel like this is going to be one of the most advanced positions on the team this year because of their experience last year. Like, how do you see these guys coming together? I honestly see it's similar to, similar to how when um, uh, Auburn had Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Javar Davis, when they had all them guys there. Because I feel like they all got a whole bunch of experience. They're all technically sound, and they're not scared of anyone. They'll go up against anyone. We man up versus everyone, so it doesn't matter if you're Alabama, uh, LSU, Georgia. We're going to man up. They're gonna, always going to man up. And those are guys that I've seen a lot of improvement from them, especially from their freshman years to now. And especially Roger, someone that could have came out this year and become a day one, day two pick. And so I feel like he has a – he kind of has a chip on his shoulder too because he kind of gets all disrespected because, you know, it's Auburn Day. We always get disrespected. So that's someone I feel he's going to come in, lock everyone down, and become a um, – he's going to be one of the top three coins coming out of the draft next year, I see. And then Smoke is just going to be – he's just going to be Smoke. <laughs> he's going to be the quarterback. He's going to be the heart and soul of the team next year. And that's the guy I feel like he's going to be – he definitely, I feel like he's overlooked too, even though he does a lot. He does many good things. He got like – I think he had two pick sixes this year. And Smoke, that's going to be a guy that he's going to be one of the top safeties coming out next year, too. 
man, that gets me excited. Before we let you go, Schwartz, I do have a few questions from people on social media. So I'm going to go ahead and run through those real quick with you. What was the most memorable touchdown of your Auburn career? I will say my most memorable touchdown was my first one, my first one back against Alabama State my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Just ran the deep post, caught the ball, ran to the end zone, ran to the back with the fans and just kind of celebrated with them. That was it was just a surreal moment because it was the start of my college career, and I just felt that that's the one moment I take from any other moment that I've had um, myself. That's so cool. Who are some NFL DBs that you would like to go up against? Well, there's no one really I'd want to call out, but I want to go against the best of the best. Like okay. I'm not calling them out, but the players like Patrick Peterson, the players like Stephon Gilmore, the players that are at the top of the top, they've been at the top for a while. Those are players that I want to go against and test myself against because they're the best. In order to be, a, be the best, you have to beat the best. You're dang right. We've kind of touched on this, but a fan did ask, what aspect of Bo's game do you think still needs to evolve? I think the main thing that just needs to, he needs an involvement is just more, it was pretty much more settling in the pocket out of anything. Yeah. That's the one thing that we kind of – we all saw through the game, through, like, the year, and the coaches would tell us, too, is that sometimes that, like, he'll leave the pocket prematurely. And then I don't blame him because sometimes you have those times where people are screaming in. Mm-hmm. But I felt like there were times where he would – if he would just been, been able to sit in the pocket a little longer, he would have a – he'd be able to make um, his throws, make more of his throws, make more of his reads. Yeah, totally. Uh, Jason and I have talked about that so many times. It got to, it seems like it's a bit habitual for him. And if he can break that habit, then uh, there's certainly a lot of good in his game. And I'll end with this one. What is your favorite Auburn tradition? My favorite Auburn tradition. So I don't know if the Iron Bowl counts as an Auburn tradition, but (laughs) when uh, we win the Iron Bowl at home and the fans are able to rush the field, that's probably my favorite. Between that and um, spirit flying around, which oh, I've only yeah. seen once because I saw it as a recruit, those are two of my favorite Auburn traditions. And then, of course, which actually might be my favorite is rolling tumors because it's just driving there at night. So it just cool. looks like a snowstorm was going, you know, it just <laughs> came in Auburn. Like, it just looks so cool. And I love just driving back there because sometimes at the game, I'll just drive around late at night when it's died down. Yeah just to kind of see it, just to kind of like take it in and see it all. Well, Schwartz, it has been awesome to hear from you and it's been awesome to watch your career thus far at Auburn. You have been a blast to cheer on and I know that bigger and better things are ahead for you, Jason and I. Certainly wish you the best as you gear up for this NFL draft and uh, that next chapter that I know you've been dreaming about for a while. So enjoy every bit of this. It's definitely an exciting time and uh, we'll be pulling for you whatever happens next. Thank you. Thank you for having me on War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.